Eight Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Oh, 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 it's Mac and Bo on your radio, baby. This is my friend, Matt. Posh, come on, Posh. This is my friend, T-Bone. What's up, the fun? Oh. I can't go to work without listening to Mac and Bone. Let's do it live. Years ago, when fans would run out on the field or on the court during a game, it was, it was network policy not to show that because we didn't want to encourage it. So what does that say about the way we in the media use these images now? We, we can't deny that we encourage it, or at least tacitly approve of it. And uh, everybody has to accept some responsibility for this. It, I don't think it's the right thing to allow this, but I know that it's going to continue. This is not going to stop. That is Jay Billis, ESPN, talking on ESPN yesterday about court storming and the media's role in court storming. Mac and Bone with the 8 o'clockers. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We got so many different things to get into and talk about. If you missed the first couple hours, you got to check out the podcast at WFNZ, Apple, Spotify. Listen to what you missed, including a, uh, a, a What the Bleep segment that was thoroughly enjoyable. We got Sam Farber coming up at 825 talking about the new look red hot charlotte hornets they're in milwaukee today uh tonight against the bucks we'll talk to uh, sunshine sammy who finally has some sunshine but usually sunshine sammy is projecting sunshine and we look outside in hornetsville and it's pouring down raining and storming and nasty right but now there's actual Hornet sunshine. There is. His there, forecast will be correct now. There is. And the Charlotte Comfort Systems temperature right now, 53 degrees. Choose local. Choose Charlotte Comfort at charlottecomfortsystems.com. It is actually raining outside today, Mac, I believe. I can't see at the moment, but I do know that it is a rainy uh, forecast today today. So Sam has sunshine, but we actually do not hear today in Charlotte. We have, at, we have though, Hornetsville. There we nice go. weather, though. And that is a beautiful thing, Bone. It's a beautiful thing. But right now, we got to talk about this court storming stuff. Yesterday, it got emotional. Things were said. We screamed at each other. Uh, Flounder said some things about Kyle Filipowski um, uh, that uh, you either wanted to you know, run flounder over, you're uh, like a court stormer, or you got his back. It was a very emotional day yesterday, Bone. But today... Every day is emotional around here. I, today, oh, true. I cried I, twice this, yesterday. Today, I want to step back, and let's just talk reality about this court storming stuff. Uh, and, and Jay Billis made that point. Dan Patrick made a good point, too. Like Jay said, they never show the guy that runs onto the field, right? Because they don't want to encourage it um, during a game, during the competition. But after the competition, they show a ton. Like, it has been glorified. There's no doubt about that. But I still think, though, Bone, it, am, I too, am I too Pollyanna to think that you can still have those fun moments where students are out there with their classmates that are players and they're celebrating, but that we just hold the fans off? Like, Seth Greenberg last night said you have a one-minute kind of cooling off period where everybody from the opposing team, players and coaches get off the floor. I'm not even asking for one minute. I'm asking for 15 seconds 
And I'm asking for what Creighton did last week when they beat UConn and stormed the floor. They had an area bone like right behind the benches leading back to the locker room where no fans can be. They have yeah. it roped off. So literally like 15 seconds to ensure that all the five players on the court and everybody that was on the bench is in that little zone. And then let the storming happen. Like, am I too Pollyanna to think we can do both? Like, I realize both extremes. Michael Wilbon, people of his ilk. It feels like older guys in the media. Kornheiser said the same thing. Ah, just get rid of cart storming. It's stupid. It's not necessary. It's going to hurt someone. But then I feel like there's a lot of younger. Like, we had Grace Grill on yesterday. And she says, this is what's great about college athletics. This, I saw Courtney Cronin say this on Around the Horn. Same thing. You can't take this away. This is what makes college sports great. I believe you can do both. Keep the athletes safe and still have these moments. Is it too Pollyanna to think that we can hold them up for a little bit of time? Well, in your in your situation, it's still a risk for the students that are running onto the court, even for their own players that could you know, somehow get a knee. So there's still a risk involved in that, but it's a risk if a school is willing to take it. That's on them if they want to get their own students out there and their own players. That's on them. The problem, the problem is when you are responsible for the safety and health and well-being of not just your own team, but the other team as well. So as long as the other team gets cleared, everyone's okay, coaches, managers, players, as long as they're out and you want to sacrifice yourself and your own people on the court, um, that that's one thing. The problem that we ha that happens, Mac, is more came out yesterday than just Filipowski. There's that image that I have that went viral of Mark Mitchell, Mac, of two fans running at Mark Mitchell, getting in his way. One has middle fingers in the air, and they are blocking his. They're all up in his legs. They are blocking his path from leaving. There's Jared McCain's story that Connor O'Neill reported on Saturday, who covers both Duke and Wake, that never went anywhere because it got lost in the shuffle, that Jared McCain was accosted leaving the court and not allowed to leave because fans were in his way. So we've talked about, how can Filipowski not get off the court? Well, other guys were trying as well that we can't see, except for the Mark Mitchell photo there, where fans were going out of their way to harass the players, and that's a problem. So what do you that's going to be a problem. So what do you do about that, though? Would you ban it then because of that? Or would you do what I'm saying and try to come up like you've got to invest more in security. You also bone have to have security that is younger, young enough and able enough physically to handle this. We had texters point out yesterday, you go to college basketball games, you'll often see security where it's people that are not like are, you know, in their 60s or, in, you know, almost seven, like 70 years old. And maybe they can't handle this onslaught. You need more security. You need to beef up security. You need to spend money. To bring them in. I think you can do this if you invest. But are you saying the kids are too disrespectful nowadays that they shouldn't be allowed to do it? Like, what do you? It, here's the pro here's the issue that we have also where a potential disaster is going to happen for anybody involved, any team involved in this. These kids, Mac, are probably alcohol fueled. Some want to go viral. They want to get their content out there. Much like the Ohio State fan that ran into Caitlin Clark. She was on her phone not paying attention. So there could be, Mac... Students that run on run onto the court in these situations where they may not have ill intent, but they could they could run into the back of a knee of a leg of anybody. They could fall down themselves. They're not they're running aimlessly. They're not running. They're not running paying attention. They're not looking out for others. They're just trying to get out there. So do you ban it because of all this? There's got to like be. We get it that it's unsafe for the kids that are on the other team. If, they, if the schools want like, if the schools want to do it, that's on them. I I would say yes, but there's got to be at least. 
25 or 30 seconds before they're allowed out there to clear the court of all the personnel that played and took part in the game. That's what I'm saying. I think you can have your fun. I think the kids can have their fun, and I think we can make it safer. But you got to give them some time to get off the floor. And that's my question. Is that reasonable? I heard some people yesterday say it is it is not reasonable to think you can you can police this at all. And like then you got Jay Billisbone. He's the older he's the uh, other end of the spectrum. Listen to what Jay Billis said yesterday um, on ESPN about this and an idea of how you can punish students if they run onto the floor. And if you do that. They will never run onto the floor again. Listen to this. The truth is nothing's going to change now. We're going to talk about it. It's going to go away and nothing's going to change. And if they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. Uh, the, the, the administrators will tell you that uh, security experts tell them that it's not it's not a good idea to try to stop the court storming, that that could cause more problems than it would solve. But you don't have to stop the court storming. One time, all you have to do is once they're on the court, don't let them off. Just just say you're all detained and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to. And then court stormings will stop the next day. Um, there's no accountability for this. It, it, the fans feel like it's an entitlement and the universities like it. And the truth is, we like it. So there you go. Jay wants them to get citations or arrested. I actually did float that yesterday, Bone. It was mocked. I was mocked for that. Now the citations. great Jay Billis. I, I, I floated literally making it illegal, and literally it's trespassing. If you go on, if you go on to the court, if you really want to stop, how it. about this? You're free game out there. <laughs> you're the players, players. If you want to run on the court, you're free game. You, you you run out of player you you have the you you might get hit. Well, I think that should be that's the way I think it should be any which way. Like I'm sorry, man. If little Mac when he goes to college in four three four years whatever it is, if little Mac t- you know gets punched by a player and it's because he goes up to them like a guy was with Mark Mitchell and is putting the bird up towards his face and yelling so like I'm sorry, man. They just lost a game. They're emotional. What are you doing? And again, that goes back to how disrespectful our society has become. The social mediaization of society where you say stuff to people and you don't expect ramifications. But the thing is, though, Bone, that's another issue. And they're running up on Mark Mitchell with middle fingers after he lost a game. And then you want to blame Duke players for how they react to stuff like that? And that's not me making that up. There's an image right there of white kids running right up to Mark Mitchell with middle fingers in the air and blocking his path. And then you want to blame – you want to say, oh, you've got to get off the court quick. He's trying, man. He's got kids. Mark Mitchell was near the, the near near the safety zone, basically, of getting out of there. He's got kids in his path with middle fingers after losing a basketball game. He's a 19 year old kid, and we want to judge the character of the kids in that moment. How would you react to that? I um, a lot uh, of people out there have a lot of internal strength. Don't that's they, what Matt? I'm saying. If you get punched, I got I got to be honest. I don't feel bad for you. Like again, you are assuming a risk. You run on the court at all, right? That something could happen to you. But when you go up and act like that to somebody who is that big. <laughs> yep. and just lost a, a game where they might be feeling emotional and ticked off about it. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Whatever happens to you at that point, I don't know if I feel too bad for you. Now, what's happening on the text line is very interesting to me, Bone. There is a large percentage of the text line that, like, finds this this talk to be ridiculous. Like, um, our guy Franny, our guy Fra- Falcons Franny. Yeah, he's a worthless he's texter. Talk- I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even acknowledge his existence. He, but, he, but there are plenty of people that are texting similar things to him, all right? Like, he's talking about the wussification. Other people are talking about how society has turned soft. Um, other people are talking about, um, uh, you know, they're, they're angry at us. 
They're angry at us. You guys sound like complete snowflakes discussing this. Let kids have a little bit of fun. Here's another texter. I agree with what Kyle Bailey said yesterday. This is getting blown out of proportion. Uh, another texter, how many incidents can you count where people got hurt during court stormings? If it didn't happen to a Duke player, this would not be a narrative nationally. So there are what a lot of people, Duke? like you can say you don't like certain texters or whatever, Bone. But there are a lot of people. Well, that he's an idiot. But there are a lot of people that really like are just like, who cares? And I, I, I gotta you, be. I gotta, I'm kind of shocked by that. I like. Mac, it seems like common sense that at the very least you should try to make it safer. That at the very least, Wake Forest did a horrible job of executing this. And at the very least, the student should be held up for 15 seconds. Like I don't think that's a snowflakey soft society. Like that seems like common sense. Mac, one texter, I sent him the picture of Mark Mitchell. And now he changed his tune because he saw different. He saw other fans harassing players now we said that that's not acceptable so there are some people once they see the mark mitchell photo it puts in perspective that these these fans were aggressive uh on their court storm mag i have a question for you i know that duke last stormed the court i think coach k's 500th win against carolina although it was more of a of a delayed storm like so it was more wasn't like instantaneous because that's not really what they don't do it a whole lot in camera especially now i'll say this though could you imagine the narrative if this was the opposite, if Duke fans ran into a player, Mac, what would they all be saying about Duke fans? Wouldn't they, they'd probably be trying to ban court storms one day. If the Duke fans, Mac, <laughs> ran, ran into a player. If this happened him. at Cameron and a Duke student ran into somebody or was acting, you know, like a jerk approaching a player on the court, what would they say about Duke fans? You know what they'd say about Duke fans. It would be the opposite. Of oh, I said it yesterday. It, it would be the if opposite Duke, of this. If a Duke fan uh, was involved in this situation with Armando Baycott, Oh my God! I'm telling you, Flounder and Fitty would have found the dorm room of the Duke of the Duke student. Yes, they would be surrounding the dorm room. <laughs> well, the only reason this is a conversation the way it is is because Duke's involved. Regardless, I, I do agree Duke that being involved—that's the only reason anybody it does. cares. I said that yesterday when it was on CBS this morning. That's not a sports show. That was on the or the CBS Morning Show, whatever the hell they call it. Like Duke's presence, and I also said yesterday something will be done about this, and it will be because Duke's involved. Because it makes more people talk about it when Duke's involved. And then you also this year, as multiple texters point out, you had Caitlin Clark. I would say the best player in college basketball, period, right now is Caitlin Clark. I don't give a damn what gender you're talking about. Like She, she is the biggest star in, in college basketball right now. Yep. And you had it happen to her, too. Then you had it happen to a star player at Duke. Like, I think those two things together are enough to get people talking. As a matter of fact, Brett Yormark revealed yesterday, the commissioner of Big 12, commissioners have a conference call about this today. Um, so, like, I think something's going to get done. I don't think they're going to ban it, but I think they're going to try to make it safer. Now, this texter says, Mac, all the, all the basketball analysts I've heard say you got to make the fines bigger. It's ridiculous the ACC does not fine you any bit for court storming. Paul B. I, Cardi said it should affect the net ratings yesterday. I mean, that's crazy. He it was like Bone saying they should take them out of the, the conference. So, yeah, you're going like, to punish the I, people that's crazy on the floor to me. for the Yes, actions. because it's a university problem. Are they part of the university? When, 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 when schools get sanctioned. So the kids, so, so it's, on, get, it's on the players. So, so when, here's when, the, here's when the, the solution. When the NCAA comes down on a, or, or on a school, is it always about those players? 
No, which is stupid. Oh, if you well, think that's right, then are, you're just, but these you're just are, on crack. But I mean, seriously. All I simply said was, if the fans storm before the clock, if they get on the court, what they did. By the way, Mac, if you're on the court at 0.7 seconds, like there were the other day, shouldn't that be a technical foul? You're trying to find a way for Duke to win no, the game. No, no, I'm just saying. Two on, free throws and the ball out They're for Duke. on the court with time <laughs> remaining. All I said was, if they're on the court before the 30-second clock expires, they're not allowed to play in the conference tournament because that's a university and school problem where they didn't organize the safety enough for the well-being of an opposing that's team. That's right. So line up all your bench players, all the guys that are not in the game, and you those guys have to prevent the students from coming on the court because if not, then you're going to miss the NCAA yeah, tournament. That makes no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. You didn't listen to me. I didn't say I've it, listened. Uh, that I is not, your exact argument to take NCAA, them out of the no, conference, said, conference NCAA tournament. tournament. He said conference No, you said tournament. conference tournament. Yeah. You said NCAA right there. What? I mean, if teams don't make it into the well, conference then, tournament, then, then they're probably going to be then, deemed then this ineligible. Then they'll organize this thing better then, won't they? Probably not. i got to be honest. Do kids in the stands care? I, I don't think. I, I think I there hard, are certain kids that just hard, don't care. About I have a that. hard time believing the basketball team should suffer for a bunch of drunk. Dude, yeah, Jay Billis's Jay, Jay Billis's wild um, claim would be better than that. Like that, I, that just makes no sense. Okay. I, but I just feel like, can we not get together and can these? Can we not come up with a uniform way in each conference to handle it? Where you have enough security, where you don't shortchange the amount of security because you're trying to be cheap. Like, I don't know. Flounder, do you want to blame Mark Mitchell? Was it was his feet in the way? Do you want to analyze the arch of his feet? Was Mark I mean, Mitchell? I'm thinking about <laughs> it at I this thought point. we weren't going to be emotional today, Bone. No. We're going to be pragmatic no. and logical. Bone is back to being emotional. Not emotional at all. <laughs> it's going to be arch madness where Flounder breaks down the strides of Duke players' feet like we did yesterday. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Concerned about the puppy watching Tar Heels games with Fiddy. <laughs> you can text in and share your concern on our FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. That's exactly what Matt in Greensboro is doing. Fiddy, please don't watch any more Heels games with the puppy. It's going to think its name is What the Bleep. What's <laughs> so funny is uh, my cousin, she she came upstairs and like so she sees that he's sitting like kind of in my lap and she goes oh like because she thinks it's so cute mm-hmm. and then we do something stupid and i just <laughs> what the and she goes oh okay let's just let's just go downstairs and she took can't she, listen to that kind of language right now now here, here's the problem and i know she doesn't listen we can talk about it she named the dog his name is dorian <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a, i it's something about me is that there's not many things I love more than a human name for a dog. I will laugh at it every time. <laughs> <laughs> the dog named Dorian is is a good one for me. I'll never forget one time I was at my buddy's house for the first time. And I mean, a big old fat cat walks into the living room. I mean, it is wide. It is a behemoth of a cat. 
and he walks in and he paws at the couch because he can't jump up on it. He's he's meow, meow, trying to get up on the couch. Can't do it because he's probably 25, 30 pounds. Okay. Like this thing was saved. And so just to not paint these people out to be the worst humans feeding this cat until it can't jump up on the couch anymore. said, oh, goodness gracious, it's big. We kind of laugh at how big it is. I said, hey, what's the name of the cat? His name is Christopher. (laughs) I died. Christopher, the big old fat cat. R.I.P. That was a long time ago. Christopher the cat. I was dying. 336 writes in, Carolina-Miami 2011 ACC tournament game. That's the Miami game for me. We looked it up during the break, and that was the time when North Carolina sleptwalked through sleptwalked. I don't even know. Sleptwalked? Yeah, that's that's a word. Sleptwalked. Sleptwalked. In the first half of that 2011 game, and then they came back from 17 points down, did the same thing against Clemson, Fitty. You remember it well. Yeah, that was a game where Zeller hit a shot like right before the buzzer. Friday, the ACC tournament, back was when the final was played on Sunday. And me and Flat went to different high schools. So I was actually in school. He was out for spring break, and I had him texting me under like the media timeout scores. And I was in an ag class at Andrew Jackson High School. Ag. Wait, is that AG or agriculture? Agriculture. Okay. <laughs> and when I got the idea that they won, I like I remember I jumped out of my seat in the class, and my teacher, his name was Ashley Young. What you celebrating over there, son? <laughs> and I had to tell him, and he he didn't care. We have a King of the Hill segment coming up a little bit later, and you sounded very King of the Hill-like. Definitely that did. That tracks for historic Lancaster. <laughs> that sounds like Hank Hill. Old Ashley Young sounds like that. Final Carolina text coming in. Brad in Belmont says, Miami made a lot of contested threes last night. And then he said, Withers is playing well. Needs more minutes. He could get three or four from both Ingram and Baycott and keep them both fresher, as he puts it. Do we like the idea of Withers? Withers showed up. In fact, he had the big offensive rebound and was the only one that hit free throws. After R.J. Davis missed one, Armando Baycott misses two, Seth Trimble misses two, and then there's Withers like, all right, I've had enough of this. I'm going to get this rebound, and I'm going to go hit both of my free throws to put the ice on this one. So Jalen Withers... He comes out and helps. Do you like Withers getting more minutes and taking Baycott off the floor less? Uh, no, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, okay. Withers is a nice piece. You can put him in for spots every now and again. But you need Ingram, especially the fact that we've seen stretches from these guys where they have looked like the type of players you want them to be. Armando has had games to remind you of the potential that he has. And then Harrison Ingram, too. He was another guy that when Carolina was looking like that team I described at midseason, this was a guy that was putting up double-doubles and making all all of the little plays, the hustle plays, the steals, the deflections, all of those things that Carolina needed. And so that has seemed to slow down with him just a little bit as well. But no, I don't think Withers should be taking minutes from either of those two. I mean, they are, two are, they are arguably, you know, after R.J. Davis, you would ideally go Armando Baycott and Harrison Ingram as far as your second and third options. Withers was good. I'm glad they uh, – that was the thing for me was – also laughing at the fact that Carolina erupted after Jalen Withers hit those free throws because it had, it felt like a lifetime since they hit a free throw in that one because they just couldn't ice it. And then finally, Jalen Withers was able to do so. Let's move into this Carolina Panther convo and also 
talk about what's going on in the text line, which is people telling us their pets' names, which I love because some of them are great. We'll read some of those texts <laughs> at the end of this segment because you guys have some great names for your pets, and I want to read those on the FanDuel text line. Feel free to mention it yourself, 704-570-9610. West Joe Person of The Athletic, Mike K of The Charlotte Observer, each did profiles on new general manager Dan Morgan. What was some of the stuff that jumped out to you? On Dan, what's something that you want to take us first and foremost because you think this is a big reason as to why he'll be successful or you're questioning what Dan might be as a GM? Well, the first thing that jumped out is how man has the discipline to be down in the city of Miami that I love and adore oh so much. Not go out like that. Not have a girlfriend. I mean, you got to respect it. This guy, as Damian Lewis put it, was all ball all the time in a city like that. If you can maintain that kind of discipline in the city of Miami, then you are a very disciplined man. So that was first and foremost. That's but, who I want on my team. Yeah. But other than that, uh, you know, when Brandon Bean just talked about how uh, Dan Morgan came in and how he doesn't back down, like when he's uh, feeling that he is in his convictions on a prospect, that he's going to stand on it no matter what is said. And he said, quote, when you're not making the final decision, you're giving input and you have a loud voice, but you don't have the final voice. He said, so in the decisions that didn't work out, unless you were in that room with Scott, the owner, the head coach, Dan, and whoever else would be in there, you really don't know where he stood. There could be some things that didn't work out that maybe the owner's going, damn, maybe we should have listened to Dan. And so I think that uh, that was interesting in, that they 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 talked about that aspect of it because it made you wonder just you know how much input Dan had with the previous regime but then they also talked about how he fought for you know a linebacker for the for the Bills that ended up being a, a pretty good piece for them that was a late-round pick. Uh, they talked about how his work ethic was when he came in from day one, and even though this guy was a stud linebacker in the league, never talks about his playing days, always in there asking questions and working as if he is legit an intern that never played in the NFL. And so that kind of blue-collar mentality and work ethic that he brings to it, you know that you're going to get 150% from Dan when it comes to trying to rebuild this franchise. They describe that man as a man that works incredibly hard. And that's something, of course, we can value as a fan of the team. You want your general manager to be that guy. The other thing I love is something I've talked about quite a bit. Dan Morgan is not somebody that is only getting this opportunity because he's a Panther legend for what he did on the field. Yes. Dan Morgan put his time in in a bunch of different areas. And that's what I love to see. Because if you think about it, how many guys have his kind of success on the football field that are now general managers? Mm -hmm. You can find these guys on assistant coaching staffs all day long. You can find these types of dudes that go into TV. I mean, plenty of them are in TV because that's the idea. These media outlets, they want to go get the name that you recognize because you as a fan, they're banking on you wanting to hear from Randy Moss. They're banking on you wanting to listen to Tom Brady, and that's why they're going to throw them all of the money. There's a reason they go to the Manning cast, the Hall of Famers that are no-brainers. Those guys always go to TV. General manager is a different game, and Dan Morgan did both the college and pro scouting route with multiple teams before he's named the head guy. I didn't get the sense that he's too closely tied to Scott Fitterer for me to feel a little worried about him being the next general manager. And I know that's a worry for some, and it's understandable. But at least here, with your point that you brought up, what Brandon Bean had to say, he was telling Panthers fans, don't worry about that. Because ultimately, it's not his decision. 
he can give you his input, but whatever is the end decision, Scott Fitter has to sign off on. So maybe Dan Morgan did disagree at times. And just because he and Scott Fitter are very good friends because of their time in Seattle and, of course, because of their time here in Carolina, it doesn't mean Dan Morgan was just some yes man all the time. I'm sure he did disagree on some stuff. And even if he like, well, Scott, I see your point. I like this guy. I would go this direction, but that's fine. I'll sign off on him. That's still a disagreement, even if it's just, okay, if you want to roll that way, that's fine enough. I would rather go this route. But even if you can understand where Scott is coming from, you ultimately acquiesce because Scott's the one calling the decisions anyway. Not that Dan Morgan is backing down, but what are you going to do? Argue until you're blue in the face and then just let Scott do whatever he wants to? Like, no, it's, you're going to argue for it and then realize, well, I'm not going to get my first option. So this second option that Scott has as his first, okay, I'll pick my other ba uh, battles elsewhere. And that's where I'm totally fine with Dan Morgan getting this shot because it's not because he's this legend as a linebacker that's only getting this job because he's going to have his name on the ring of honor one day as a player. But also it's because, well, this dude has put in as much time as a lot of these other GMs that get jobs, too. Yeah, and so you brought up a good point, too, in that the perception of him working with Fitter is that he said yes to everything Fitter did. And again, that's something that we don't know. We don't know what he disagreed with and what he agreed with uh, being in that room. But just being a guy, as they said, that would do everything from picking up players, uh, wanted to learn personnel from the grassroots up. This is a well-seasoned guy when it comes to finding football players. Uh, and, and so that's the thing that you love about it. You know, if anything, uh, if he made a mistake, it's not because, like you said, this is a guy they just put up there because he's Panthers legend, Dan Morgan. It's because this guy has paid his dues. He is very well seasoned when it comes to scouting and what it takes uh, from everything from start to finish. And the thing that you do like, too, is that, you know, if he were a guy to come in and just get get this job off the strength of what he did on the field, I think with his with his uh, past that he's had, it's very nuanced now. He knows those pockets of talent to where, oh, I know where they got some players that people kind of sleep on. And I know that this program puts out these kind of guys, and he knows those little secrets. Like uh, the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner, where they were finding out all these secrets about these players and how their teammates felt about them or uh, different Why things about the program. Birthday? Yeah. <laughs> so I think Dan Morgan's a guy that he's been working so long and scouting for so long that he has those little tricks of the trade and different he has a different knowledge base than a guy that would just come in and just be saying oh yeah I know football because I was great at it yeah let's go pick a guy from Miami and pick a guy from all these big schools he's gonna know some of those little things that are going to pay off for the Panthers when he finds that fifth sixth seventh round pick that ends up becoming uh, a big time player I like that we have two factions of fans and their opinions on Dan Morgan. And I don't want to say that there's not a middle ground, but at two ends of the spectrum, you have Darren and you have 806. Darren writes in Walker. Here you go again. Falling for the banana in the tailpipe. Dan Morgan is a yes man. I hope he proves me wrong. 806 says fans calling Dan a yes man was my biggest gripe. <laughs> Panthers fans get off Twitter and educate yourself. Because Dan is the furthest thing from a yes man, end quote. Two opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm falling for the banana in the tailpipe to believe that just because Dan was working under Scott Fitter, it doesn't mean that he's going to be a carbon copy of what that GM was. Mm -hmm. You're either Darren or you're this other guy that's willing to give Dan Morgan a shot. And 
he could be the furthest thing from that. I'm at least allowing that opportunity. Because when you have a boss, when you have somebody that has final say, what are you going to do? I mean, you can try to sway him as much as possible, and they rely on their scouts. And I think Scott Fitter has done that. One thing about him that was different than Matt Rule, that was different than maybe even Frank Reich to some people, Fitter was always fine at the podium. He didn't say anything stupid. It's not like he had this lack of accountability. In fact, it was dirty the way Matt Rule did him when Matt Rule saying, you know, Brock Purdy got, you know, Nixed when I brought him up and said he should be on the draft board. You know, that one, I got overruled on that one pretty quickly. Why is he Jim Rome? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was not my rule. Well, I'm not trying to. Imp- I was trying to go to this voice that I think is kind of dumb, but yeah, it was condescending. I didn't mean. Okay. Didn't, so if Matt Rule is, goodness gracious, I tried to tell the people to put Brock Purdy on the draft board. I was overruled. I'm Matt Rule. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Jim Rome, Matt Rule. But Scott Fitterer said, hey, any pick that Matt Rule had over had control over, I was also in the room, and so it's unfair to blame Matt, while Matt is doing the exact opposite. That's one thing I'll always respect Scott Fitterer for. But at the end, speaking of Matt Rule, at the end of the day, <laughs> Scott Fitterer still has final say, and we're gonna see we're gonna see Dan's fingerprints all over this thing because he's the lead guy. And in this profile from Mike K, different one, right? Joe Person did one for the Athletic. Mike K did one for the Charlotte Observer. One thing that Josh Klein pointed out was Dan Morgan's not afraid to speak his opinion, even if it goes against David Tepper. Look, I hope that's true. It's great to hear. I could see Dan Morgan being. I agree. What is there anything about this guy that would lead you to believe differently? Yeah. No. You. This is the thing where all the football people should also agree with this too. Well, he's a good old-fashioned linebacker. Yeah, he's not going to take bleep from nobody. (laughs) David Tepper, (laughs) white collar, throwing drinks at somebody. (laughs) Face me like a real man. That's what Dan Morgan would do. That's the kind of background that he has, where he's the first-round pick, yet he still has the chip on his shoulder. He's the guy that comes into training camp where first-round picks, according to Brandon Bean, often feel like they're owed something because they're so talented. And it's cool. Maybe they figure it out a little bit later. But that's not how Dan Morgan operated. This is the guy, as you said, was so disciplined to the point where he didn't have any girlfriends down in Miami. He didn't party. It was a very boring college life because all he cared about was football. He and Damian Lewis, who were teammates at Miami and in Carolina, they ripped the phone out of the wall in the locker room because his teammates were ordering pizza and talking to their girlfriends. Now, we don't have time for that. And what do those guys do? They get picked in the first round back-to-back yep. in the top 15. And now where are they? Damian Lewis is out here coaching, now on Colorado staff, all that. which is excellent. I know he talks with Kyle. That's I I hope we hear more from Damian Lewis just because he's on Deion Sanders' staff, staff now. But also Dan Morgan's leading an NFL franchise. Is, think about that, that. What an incredible life. What an incredible life from Dan, and I'm ready for it. I'll fall for the banana in the tailpipe to give him a shot. I'll be that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, a shot is certainly something he's deserved. I agree. I agree completely. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show.
Let's bring in Willie P, voice of Charlotte FC, WFNZ reporter, host. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Willie, I don't know if you've gotten to weigh in on this court storming stuff, but what's your take on it? I feel like Bernie Sanders. I am once again asking you to stay in your seats following a basketball game, right? <laughs> That'd be the meme. Uh, as somebody who has uh, been a part of court stormings as a student and even also as a reporter, I, I can tell you that it would be logically inconsistent for me to sit here and say that they have to stop. I, I do feel like there can be some tweaks to the sure. formula, whether it's a you know waiting period to get the players off the floor and then the rush happens. But I can tell you just from being there, sometimes it's just instinctive. Uh, guy hits a game-winning shot, floor comes, uh, floor gets completely rushed. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I was at the Final Four when, when uh, the shot was hit with Chris Jenkins. And I'm telling you, within not even a half second after Jenkins hit that shot to win the game against North Carolina, were the fireworks just completely going off everywhere. So much so to the point where, like, if they didn't or they determined that it didn't necessarily go through in time, they would have had a really bad cleanup scenario on their hands with all the confetti that happened. That's how quick these court rushes happen. Maybe there needs to be a change there, but at the same point in time, I don't particularly care for the uh, the sanctimony from the Blues that uh, all of a sudden say, this has to stop. This has to be going away. Can we think about the children? Can we think about the kids? No. Come on now. This is something that shouldn't go away. Yeah, and and I got a lot of folks saying, hey, I'm over the court storming talk. Me too. I'm over it too. If you want to do something to fix it, then fix it. Otherwise, I'm going to start ignoring these stories, you know, unless obviously it's unavoidable because there's just nothing to talk about anymore. Uh, But what we can talk Mm -hmm. about is, what we can talk about is Charlotte FC on Saturday night. Uh, Big win, big crowd, big opening night, big everything on Saturday. What was your favorite part? The, my favorite part was that even though the amount of people in the building might have been less than the 74,000-plus we had the opening year or the 69 we had last year, it felt like it had every bit the kind of juice and vibe in the building that we had for the first game. And I think the one thing that now comes sidled with that is expectation. And I think from the moment we saw them step on the pitch, you saw a different energy. You saw a different attention to detail. And you saw a planner to Dean Smith that we really hadn't seen under the previous two managers, not to denigrate those two gentlemen, but you saw a commitment to making New York work when they didn't have the ball. And when they did have the ball, there was a simplicity to it. They were attacking through all three channels. Uh, They got a goal off a set piece, which I don't know if there's a center back that makes that kind of ambitious run for us before Dean Smith gets here. I think Adilson Milan is somebody who, had had a couple of chances go by the wayside in his first couple of years. You're not, again, you're not necessarily always uh, anticipating a center back to be somebody who scores, but he had a couple of chances that went awry in his previous two years with Charlotte FC, and this one he gets an opportunity for a net mouth scramble header on the doorstep and gives Charlotte FC the lead, and, and they make it stick. How many times last year do we say, you know, 25 points dropped from winning positions, and they come out and they hold the lead, very much similar to the way they did in uh, Decision Day against Inter-Miami. It was incredible to see, and I think it instilled a foundation that they want to be tough to beat, and, and they want to be able to make sure that they give the fans a great product to see.
I, I like it. Now, I have uh, a texter here that says, year three is our year, Charlotte FC. I, I've heard some people already, hey, I really, this this team feels different. I heard you, you've talked about them and say that you know, this feels like a professional football club with a professional approach. So I, I like the enthusiasm. I like the expectations. But Willie, I also have on the other ear, people telling me, ah, the talent level's down. Uh, they, they might be scrappy, but it's going to be hard for them to win a lot of matches this year. What, what are realistic expectations for this club this season? Well, D- Dean has said it in a nicer way than the first manager said it. Uh, there is a need to add talent. I think there, he said something to the effect of two to three players of a high quality still need to come in. The thing about the roster, though, in Major League Soccer is that it's an evolving uh, organism that goes throughout the rest of the season. They have an open transfer window from now until uh, middle part, end of April. So they have until that time to add anybody in the world they want to. Just because the European incoming transfer window is closed doesn't mean they can't go out in Europe and sign somebody. That team can't necessarily replenish that player, which is why it doesn't always happen. But, But Charlotte has acquired players in this part of the window before, uh, sometimes to their you know, positivity sometimes to their detriment. Sometimes you don't want to get into a scenario where you're desperate to get a guy just to get a guy, and then you're saddled with that player for two years and you really don't know what to do with them. So I think Charlotte's been very intentional. You know, I even had a couple of conversations with some of their scouts over the course of the last couple of weeks and said, you know, well, while their market is kind of quiet right now because, again, teams are kind of settling and then the market's kind of uh, coming back to the norm, it doesn't mean like there won't be an opportunity to potentially get somebody here within the next month or in the summer window, I think that Dean Smith has made it very clear he wants to get a right winger in here of some uh, of some rapport and also get somebody who can maybe even be a, a shoe-in in the center back role as well. And he's also not necessarily shy about wanting an attacking midfielder either. So I don't think this roster is in any way done, but I also think he also is not worried about leaning on some of these young players you saw Yuri Tavares be at the center stage of the goal that was scored on Saturday, and we saw him at the center stage of many goals for Crown Legacy last year. And you don't just score 12 goals in a league and don't have a talent to be able to back it up. Willie P. with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, voice of Charlotte FC. He's with us uh, hanging out each and every Tuesday. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, I, obviously you know I chatted with Vaughn Pullman yesterday. And I said, hey, Love Vaughn. I, Vaughn's Good great. I, I thought he was great. We'll have him back. And he told me, I said, look, you know, just contextualize the MLS for us now in the world hierarchy of, of you know, of football leagues, soccer leagues. And he said, yeah, they're battling for 10th right now. But he stressed, hey, you know, the football is getting better and better all the time. It's really good soccer week by week. And uh, it's only improving. And, and I, I completely, you know, I can understand where he's coming from. My question for you is, with the support that this organization has gotten, the overwhelming support already, 62000 again for opening night. I, does, is the rest of the world taking notice of this? And I don't mean like are they talking about FC in all corners of the globe. But, I mean, you pointed out the other day, like how few soccer matches abroad over the weekend pulled the same kind of attendance numbers that Charlotte FC did. Certainly there are people, you know, internationally that are noticing what Charlotte FC is doing, right? Well, they definitely are, Kyle. Uh, and I think Dean Smith is a big uh, avenue of that. When I was over in uh, in Europe, you know, with uh, on my vacation over the winter, you know, I brought Dean Smith's name up to a bunch of people, and he said, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, he's going to bring a lot of credibility to that organization." And I said, "Well, you know, we already do kind of sell out our opener with seventy thousand. They're like seventy thousand put 70,000 in for, for a soccer match. And I said, yeah. And so that is the kind of thing that, you know, will help get more eyeballs on this roster. There was actually a, uh, uh, a group of media that came across from England. Originally they were supposed to do a story that 
kind of centered around the World Cup happening in 2026, and they wanted to get the vibe of what MLS is like, uh, at least in, as we get towards the 30th year of the league coming up here in two years that coincides with the World Cup. But the one thing that they ended up kind of st- stopping down on is they stopped down on Charlotte FC's atmosphere. And I talked with a bunch of those guys who were over here. Uh, they did some stories on Dean Smith and did some stories on Ashley Westwood because they have obvious English corollaries to their times that didn't overlap, coincidentally, at Aston Villa. But Aston Villa is a big enough club to go under their attention. And they're coming to find that, you know, we can be in this space, too, when it comes to soccer. Are we a top five league in, in the world? No. But I think if you asked anybody who, when they started this fledgling league in 1996, that they'd be among the top 10 leagues in the world by the time they turned 30, I think they'd all look back on that and say, we we take it 100%, especially when you're getting the caliber of player that is now coming to this league, not uh, including, but of course, uh, involving uh, Lionel Messi and the others that are hopefully going to come alongside of him. Okay. Now, um, I have, first of all, well done once again, yesterday, 515 on this show. We know you're behind this. You don't even have to admit it, but I, I know that you're behind this in part, that you know, you're, you're a legion of FC fans blew up the text line at 515 yesterday. Vaughn gave me a very ominous warning about this at about 350, and I loved every second of it. They're demanding content. They're demanding more airtime, and I love it. I appreciate it. Uh, from a content standpoint, I have already suggested uh, that you know me and Jessica Charman battling goalie wars, even though she's, she's probably going to beat me. Um, also, someone said KB is going to become a soccer bro by the end of this season. Willie, I mean, where did this notion come from that I hate soccer? I played travel soccer as a kid. Where did this I, come from? I, I don't know where it came from, Kyle. I, I, I certainly didn't start it. Okay, and, and uh-huh. okay. Based, based, based on yesterday, that's all those dudes. All those those dudes did that all on their own. I, uh, I might have known it was coming, uh, but they even asked me, they're like, how do we get more soccer coverage on, on your radio station? And I said, well, they have a text line. I didn't say, I didn't, I didn't say, sure. I didn't say, hey, guys, why don't you all pepper Kyle Bailey's text line at a singular time and, and break the darn thing? Willie, I didn't say that at all. Willie, I think they, they, refer, all, they I, all said that. I, I think they call that stochastic terrorism in 2024. I believe that's what that's called, but I'm not mad about I, it. I didn't, I, I didn't plant the seed. I, I might have driven them to Lowe's to get the seeds to plant, but that might have been it. <laughs> all right, so so listen, I want to be more involved, all right? I, I, I've already promised you and Jess. You know I love you both dearly. I was just texting with Jess Sharman yesterday. Um, I, can, can I be the celebrity sideline reporter for a match on the, on the FC? G- give me an idea here, Willie. It doesn't have to be that. I don't want to – that's your show, but just give me an idea here. What are we doing? I want to get you leading the march and sitting in the supporter section. I think we need Hell to get yeah. every. I think I think we need every one of our hosts to do that at some point this year, uh, whether it's Mac and Bone one week and Weston Walker another week and and, and Kyle uh, it, maybe even Jeff too if he wants to. I mean, we could we can get everybody involved and and have you guys lead the march from McNinch all the way to. Uh, all the way to the stadium and, and, and be there when the beer showers happen. Cause that's, I think that's the honestly best way other than listening to us. Of course, uh, the best way to take in the game is right there, you know, front and center ground zero in, in front of the supporter section and, uh, and being there with the people. All right. Whatever Muggsy did the other night. Can I do that? Cause that looks like fun. Is that what you're talking I about? I don't have, I don't have that kind of pull. Oh. I don't know if I can get you on the crown. Well, I mean, um, I, I, Woody Wilder's problem. Woody, can I do what, what Muggsy did the other day? That's all. I mean, I'm just coming up with ideas here. I know Woody. Can he pull some strings? 
I mean, you guys are both uh, suburban Virginia natives. Suburb- so, no, 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 not suburban. <laughs> rural. rural Virginia, rural Virginia natives. Yeah, we are. Rural we have a lot of this. We have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, but look, see, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you, you name the date. We'll get Woody involved. We'll do all. I'm looking forward to it, Willie. Thank you for the time, my friend. We'll t- oh, you know what? Actually, I'm an idiot. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing before you go. Hornets and Bucks tonight. Don't 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 clip that smoke. Don't clip that. You can clip it. It's fine. No, I don't mind. I call myself an idiot all the time. Uh, the Hornets and Bucks tonight. First of two with Milwaukee. Like they're they're five and one in their last six since the new guys showed up. Willie, I, I don't think anybody's talking playoffs or even play in, but there is excitement, and I think people are kind of uncomfortable with the excitement because they don't know really what to do with it. What do you make of the the buzz around the Hornets right now? Well, it just it's, it's great to see that they're getting the requisite effort on the defensive end that I think Steve Clifford has wanted ever since he took this job back over. And it's great to see that they are keeping teams in the 80s. Granted, I think a lot of that might be due to what Portland was doing uh, themselves. So uh, I don't want to give the Hornets too much credit there. But I do feel like it's a scenario that's developed now where you're seeing them honestly make the minutes very hard to earn over the course of the last couple of games. I know that once the injuries kind of come back and subside, if LaMelo gets back and healthy and, you know, you get Bertans and, and Curry back in there, there's going to be a real tough decision that Steve Cook is going to have to make in terms of, okay, who do I sit down and who doesn't crack the rotation because it's turning into a team that's becoming very, very hard to handicap who's going to play on a night and night out basis. It's because they're playing well. I think every night it's somebody different. It's Trey Mann one night. It's Fasa Micic the next night. It's Grant Williams. It's Brandon. It's Miles. It's, it's all of a sudden completely changed the fabric of what we think about the Hornets. And it's made people optimistic that, hey, come the offseason, you keep some of these pieces around. You keep some of the, the core around as well. You add a piece or two or three. Then you actually can think about, hey, now what the next step forward looks like could actually be something in the neighborhood of that P word you mentioned, playoffs. All right, Willie P., we appreciate you, brother. Uh, We'll catch up with you next week. Be good. Good luck trying to get on that throne. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.